Yeah, I agree. I've had, uh, you know, I, I have investors in my syndications that use 401k IRA money and that questions came up and it's, well, I mean, you have to look at the investments and your opportunities and sure you're missing some of the, you're missing the depreciation and some of the other tax benefits, but what is your alternative? Where are you going to invest that money? And is the profitability or the potential of, of profitability in the piece of real estate better than your potential in, you know, traditional stock market or wherever you'd be investing. And if the answer is, well, the real estate makes more money or potentially makes more money, then you may want to consider putting it there. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, and they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospects. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Hey, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexammer. With me today, I'm excited to have Brian Eastman. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. How about you? I am doing fantastic. I'm going to give a little short bio about Brian and then I'll let him uh, fill in the, the blank. So Brian is a principal and senior consultant at Safeguard Advisors, LLC. Uh, they're based in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, Brian has worked personally, personally has worked with thousands of independent investors over the years and has a deep understanding of not only the tax framework that governs self-directed retirement plans, but how to actually use the plan successfully in a variety of real estate related transaction types. So we're going to be talking today a lot about IRAs, 401ks, self, and how do you actually take control of your own money within your IRA 401k? Uh, and with that, Brian, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more about your background um, and why why this topic is important as well. Sure, sure. Well, I, uh, you know, had a background in um, software technology, uh, did that for many, many years, had an, a, a business I was part of uh, as an employee that got acquired in, uh, twice in the same year and, and just sort of saw the exit path on that and, and said, I got to go do something different. I personally got into real estate investing. I was out uh, flipping houses and doing some some subdivision, small subdivision work in, in Portland, Oregon, where we lived at the time uh, and having some good success with that. And I just kind of stumbled into this field through, you know, real estate meetups and, and whatnot of the concept of taking that tax sheltered retirement money and being able to put it in real estate. I'd never had great success in the stock market. My grandfather, you know, once he retired, he was a finance guy, a CPA and CFO type, and he tried to teach me the stock market and we'd go analyze the heck out of something. And then, you know, a butterfly would flap its wings in Madagascar and down goes the value, right? And uh, that was my luck 
with conventional investing, but real estate was tangible and something I could understand and something I was having success with personally. So the uh, ability to put retirement money into that really appealed. And I sort of stepped into a situation where I uh, met the original founder of, of Safeguard, a gentleman named Robert Hubbard. Uh, he was a visionary, saw the potential of the internet to take these very, very unique structures that had been around for a long time, but sort of in the, the you know, the back closets of having to know the right, you know, CPAs and tax attorneys, uh, and the web made it a much more mass market program, and we were one of the first out of the, the box, and it really helped ramp the business up uh, and, and, and bring it to the next level, and I've been doing it since, uh, I guess I've been with the company since 2008, uh, Mr. Hubbard retired several years ago and a partner and I bought him out, but uh, just love being able to help people take control. And, and that control comes with, with knowledge. It's, it's an education focused business, which is something that's always been important to me uh, in all my roles. So uh, this, this is what we do is we just help people, you know, get better results by investing differently. So a lot, a lot of people have, you know, financial advisors and we're, just previously talking about how oftentimes, you know, they, the financial advisors will say, well, you can't, you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. Uh, you shouldn't take your 401k dollars and invest in the self-directed IRA because it's risky or you're playing a, a dangerous game with the government, whatever their reasoning is. Can you help debunk some of those uh, myths and, and, you know, why, for, first of all, why, why are they, saying that and then what's the right answer well there's a couple of reasons that you, you hear that from the mainstream financial planning community and there, there's exceptions there's financial advisors who completely get this concept and are, are very supportive yeah. of it yeah. but for the most part people in the conventional financial services industry just have no training on this topic whatsoever you know the the wall street firms they sell commoditized publicly traded assets and most financial advisors really aren't advisors. They're salespeople. They're selling those commissionable equities and bonds and, and funds and things like that. And it's what they know. And, and, and in some cases, they've heard or they just don't know anything about what we call non-traditional assets, things like real estate, stock of privately held companies, things like that, always been allowed within the tax code. You know, to invest uh, much more broadly than the stock market. So part of it is just a lack of knowledge. Part of it can be pretty cynical. I've, I've run into it in the many, many years, and it's just they're looking at their bottom line and their commission income. And there's a lot of motivation both in, in the conversations that people have with their financial advisors. You see a lot of, you know, hired hit pieces on the Internet, some attorney writing something on something like Law 360, which is you know, basically buy an article service saying, oh, this is dangerous, you shouldn't do it. It's about protecting their commissions. You know, Wall, Wall Street has 98.5% of retirement money. They want that other 1.5% that, that people are choosing to self-direct. Uh, so it's, it's those two things. It's lack of knowledge and it's just their own, their own interest as opposed to the interest of their investors. But absolutely something that can be done uh, done safely, done successfully. The tax code is always allowed for alternative assets. We, I'll pause. But we, there's some rules you need to follow. We can talk about those, but it, as long as you follow the rules, very, very safe. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about those. What are some of the rules or some of the main rules uh, sure. that we should be aware of? Well, the key concept, and this is, this is the hurdle for everybody when they first learn about this, is self-directed retirement plans aren't a way for you as an individual to get your hands on this money. 
you know, hey, I want to go invest in this real estate deal. Here's some money I can get to do so. Rather, it's, hey, I've got this great tax sheltered side of my whole income portfolio. Uh, it's got great tax benefits. It's all locked up 100% in stocks. Uh, I can diversify. My retirement plan can have the option to invest in things that I can have more control over and, and understand better and, and things like that. So it's everything has to be done at arm's length and exclusively for the benefit of the IRA is, is the main concept there. You're, you're investing your future self's money, not your today money. And as long as you treat things in sort of that arm's length, hands-off fashion, don't commingle IRA and personal funds, don't buy a property you want to live in or vacation in or let your kid live in while they're in college. You know, there's, there's no personal benefit. It's just, hey, instead of being 100% invested in equities, part of my portfolio is going to be in this private equity or, 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 or this real estate or or whatnot. And, and that's really what it's about. Um, so could I buy a property that uh, I, I or my LLC, well, my LLC, right? Do you remember my IRA owns um, that I manage myself? You can administer your IRA. So, you know, say, say you're going to take your IRA and you're going to go buy a little single family rental or a little fourplex or something like that. In an administrative sense, you know, you, you can't benefit personally, but you can sign contracts such as a lease or hire a vendor, a plumber, electrician, whatever. Uh, you can pay the property taxes. You can receive the rent. You can, you can put the money to work and sort of think of yourself as a fund manager. What you can't do is you can't benefit in doing so. So you can't pay yourself a management fee uh, from the proceeds of your IRA. Uh, and the reverse is true. It's a two-way street of benefit. You can't benefit from the IRA. You also can't really inject value going above and beyond administration into really providing services. So no swinging hammers or paintbrushes or things like that. If you had a rental property and you're in between tenants, uh, get that turnover work, you know, painting, landscaping, whatever, the LLC, the IRA or the 401k uh, would directly hire a vendor who's not yourself or, or, or close family to provide those services. So who can, who can actually invest uh, their IRA dollars? Who, who's limited or is it only for the wealthy? Who's it for? Really, it's it's pretty broadly applicable. Uh, there's there's sort of two considerations that we look at as we we start a consultation with somebody who's interested in this. One is, you know, do you have funds that are accessible? Uh, and you know, we got a couple different plan formats. It's always an, uh, you know an individual consultation, but you know, generally you're not going to buy real estate starting from scratch, you know, with $5,000 of a first year contribution. So you got to have some money that you've saved up in an old 401k or an IRA or whatnot. Most retirement plans can be moved. Not all are going to be compatible with each other. So like a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA might not be able to be moved into one plan. They'd be two separate plans because they have two separate tax treatments. Uh, a 401k or similar employer retirement plan with the previous company would be something that you would have control over and could move into your own plan of your own choosing, a self-directed plan. Um, but a, a plan, a 401k style plan with the current employer typically is going to be locked up in that plan and, and ineligible to be moved until you either terminate employment or if you're still working with that employer beyond the age of 59 and a half, in which case then you can move it. So there's that accessibility of funds, whether they're portable and, and most all kinds are. I mean, you can even work with inherited IRAs, 
uh, most yeah. any IRA can work. The other is kind of, as you mentioned, you know, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, one of the 1% to take advantage of this. But if your IRA is going to buy real estate, it's got to have enough gas in the tank to do so. Now, that can be as little as forty dollars or $50,000 if you're looking at syndicated opportunities or, or maybe just doing some private lending, crowdfunding, things like that. But obviously, you know, if you have a goal, a strategy you want to pursue, uh, your IRA has got to be able to do that on a standalone basis. You, again, you can't combine IRA funds and personal funds. Now, you can, you know, joint venture with other investors. You can use leverage, maybe a little something we talk about separately, but it's, you know, gas in the tank. I mean, but we got a lot of clients. I mean, the average 401k, part of why people need to take control and do this, the average 401ks are $7,500,000. That's more than enough to go successfully diversify uh, and invest. And it's really a a wake up call. Hey, that that $100,000 isn't going to go very far supporting me in my retirement years. What do I do to to grow that? Right, right. So, um, maybe I have a current employer and I have a bunch of money sitting in there and is there anything I can do with that? If I, if I don't like my IRA with my current employer, uh, can I somehow transition that or is it, uh, is it stuck there? Typically not. Now, two exceptions. Again, one is if you're over age 59 and a half while still with that employer. The other is if any of that employer plan is money you rolled in from a previous plan. So some people, they change jobs and they just keep rolling their 401k, pardon me, 401k along with them. Anything that you brought in from a previous plan, you could take back out. Now, there are a handful of exceptions. They're not generally really common, but the tax law allows for what's called an in-service distribution, Hmm. uh, whereby some qualification, whether, I mean, the the law requires that you be granted an in-service distribution at 59 and a half. That's why I've mentioned that. But there are other factors that some companies may do, whether you're vested, which might be a three-year time scale, whether you've been with the company a certain amount of time, some age threshold less than 59, maybe 45 or 50. So some plans have those features, but it's pretty rare. Usually those those plans are designed by people who want to keep that money under their control. So a a big benefit for the, the IRA and the the Roth IRA are that, you know, you don't, it's, well, they're both different, but you've got a lot of some or some tax benefits. Right. Um, And another true, another good thing with real estate is you've got different tax benefits. What are some of the tax kind of consequences um, of, you know, investing with your IRA versus with cash? Well, they're two just different universes. And you really want to think about them and treat them separately for the most part. With the, you know, the bigger picture, yeah, especially if you've got significant capital on both the qualified and non-qualified spaces, you want to be diversified across everything. So maybe if you've got a lot of capital and you're investing in real estate, which is very tax advantaged personally, you might choose to invest in notes or, or private placements or things like that to diversify your IRA. Of course, could do real estate as well. Of course, as you indicated, real estate is very tax favored in the after-tax world. Uh, it can be very, very, very tax beneficial. You get a lot of write-offs and whatnot. You can have positive cash flow without having a tax burden. Well, the IRA is going to be different. You're, you're putting money to work. 
that money is going to grow either tax deferred in a traditional IRA or tax free in a Roth IRA. Yep. Uh, you know, in a Roth is pretty straightforward. You put money in, you grow that money, anything you grow, you know, you paid tax on the seed, any crop you grow from that, you take out tax free. You know, I look at something like real estate and say, well, okay, if I was investing with non Roth money, I get some tax write-offs and whatnot investing with the Roth money. Well, it's all tax-free. That's a pretty simple equation. There's, there's some real benefit there. You're really looking at that real estate and saying, is that a better investment for my Roth than something else my Roth could invest in? It's the same logic with the tax deferred. You say, well, in the after-tax world, I get some write-offs. I don't get those inside the IRA, but does investing my IRA in real estate make more sense? Will my IRA get better just net return than something else my IRA can invest in? And, and that's really the way to, to look at it. Yeah, I agree. I've had, uh, you know, I, I have investors in my syndications that use 401k IRA money and that question has came up and it's, well, I mean, you have to look at the investments and your opportunities and sure you're, missing some of the, you're missing the depreciation and some of the other tax benefits, but what is your alternative? Where are you going to invest that money? And is the profitability or the potential of, of profitability in the piece of real estate better than your potential in, you know, traditional stock market or wherever you'd be investing? And if the answer is, well, the real estate makes more money or potentially makes more money than you may want to consider putting it there. Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building it by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. I want to invite you to join us at the North Star Real Estate Conference. This conference is September 20 and 21st in Minneapolis, and it's going to be packed full of a ton of great speakers. We've got uh, just a, a great group of people speaking. You can look at our lineup on our website, nreconference.com, and sign up there as well. We've got an early bird special. All you need to do is type in early bird, one word, and and uh, you can get $100 off. And that's good through August 10th. So make sure you sign up now. Take action. Look, people that take action 
and value their education are those who are going to succeed. I know there's a lot of free content. My podcast is free. There's all kinds of free content out there, maybe even free meetups that you're attending. But this conference is going to blow your socks off. This is going to be well worth the price and all the profits go to charity. So it's definitely time to take action. Sign up now. Don't delay because the prices will go up. Um, but you know what? Every time I attend a conference, I 10x. Actually, I would say I more like a thousand X even my investment, a hundred, a thousand, potentially even more X my investment. I've met so many fantastic people. I've met investors at conferences. I've met potential partners at conference. I've joined mastermind groups because of conferences. So it's a ton of value. You cannot replace it. So check it out. NREconference.com. Thanks a lot. There's potential for some tax consequences though with your IRA. Is that correct? That is, that is. There's, there's two places where an IRA or a 401k can create uh, some taxable income and it's internal taxation. It's taxation on the income that's being done. Uh, they're separate and standalone taxes that are paid by the plan. They don't intersect with your own tax return. One of those uh, is when the plan is using leverage, say mortgage financing. And the idea there is, is that the percentage of the income that's directly attributable to your plan capital is fully tax sheltered, but the plan is receiving the benefits of leverage. It's using non-plan money as an accelerant. And the percentage of the income that's attributed to the non-plan money, the borrowed money, is what's taxable. And it's what's referred to as unrelated debt financed income or UDFI that's being generated. So. Simple concept, you know, say you're going to buy a $100,000 rental house, but rather than pay all cash, you're going to put 40000 of IRA money down, and you're going to borrow sixty from a bank. Um, stepping off sideways a little bit, that loan has to be what's called non-recourse, meaning no personal guarantee from you. If you were pledging your assets as security for the IRA's debt, that'd be a benefit and, and violate those rules. Sure. So there's some non-recourse lenders that work in this space, but the, the IRA is putting 40% down borrowing 60% from the bank. Well, 60% of the income produced by that property is therefore considered to be that UDFI, the unrelated debt financed income. So 60% is looked at as taxable. Well, when it's an all cash deal, there's no taxes, there's no need for deductions. Now that there's a tax liability, you do get to take advantage of all the same deductions that you would in the after-tax world on that fraction, on that 60%. So 60% of the income's taxable, you use 60%, the same ratio of your depreciation, your interest payments on your notes, your other deductions like property taxes and insurance and whatnot. There's also a $1,000 exemption against UDFI just right off the top. So you take an example like that, that $100,000 property, 60% debt finance, say it's producing about 10% return, your net tax at the end of the day is going to be about 150, 175 bucks. So you're paying a little bit of taxes in order to bring that non-IRA money inside the IRA envelope, boost the IRA's cash on cash return. Well, the boost of cash on cash returns is going to be a lot bigger than that 175 bucks. So you're still very much coming out ahead uh, there's just a little bit of administrative complexity and cost for, uh, again, being able to bring that non-IRA money in the envelope. So a little more advanced strategy, but something that could be very productive. 
what you mentioned a thousand dollar exemption right off the mm -hmm. top what's that mean that just means so you've created you know, say in that, that example, uh, let me just simplify my math in my head. Say it produced $10,000. Well, just right off the top, you shave and shave a thousand of that. So really the, the taxable income is 9,000. Okay. Got it. So for your average investor in the sort of one to $300,000 range, that actually buys a good bit because all the other deductions and then you layer that on top, it's going to, it's going to drop your net taxable income a good chunk. You start talking half a million dollars, million dollars, it doesn't buy you as much, but it, it's helpful for most investors. Got it. Um, there's a couple different ways to invest your IRA 401k money. I've had some investors do the solo 401k, mm -hmm. uh, or with the, with the checkbook control, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, and then I've had just a more traditional, or I, I guess I consider it more traditional, just, um, self-directed IRA, um, where they have the custodian and, and custodians dealing with it all. Mm -hmm. Um, can, can you describe the difference for our listeners and maybe the benefits and the pros and cons for both of those? Sure. There's essentially three available formats, okay. uh, but it all starts with, with the plan type. There's both IRA and 401k based plans. Pretty much anybody can set up an IRA. Uh, you just have to be living and breathing and, and, and have some money to roll in or, or, or some earned income from which to make contributions. They're individual retirement arrangements. Yep. And IRAs come in a lot of different flavors. They come in what's, what's called traditional or contributory, which is tax deferred. There's a couple of business associated uh, IRAs like SEPs and SIMPLES with little higher contributions. There's Roth IRAs with that tax-free treatment. And there's even inherited IRAs that you might have inherited from a, a parent or a spouse or someone like that. So those are all IRA-style accounts that can be self-directed. I'd say about 70% of our clients are on that side of the ledger. The other plan you mentioned, what's called the solo 401k, is very similar as an investment vehicle in, in the flexibility to invest more broadly, but as a retirement plan, it's much more powerful uh, because a 401k, instead of being an individual account, is an employer-sponsored retirement plan, and it has all the benefits of higher contributions and, and some other features that come with 401k-style plans. The solo 401k, which is particularly nice for self-directing, uh, is designed for a, a simplified format. It's an owner-only business. So in order to qualify for that plan, you have to, in some fashion, be self-employed, doing something that's creating some earned self-employment income. We have a lot of real estate agents or independent consultants or people who are active, you know, creating earned income in real estate through development or things like that. Uh, that can set up the solo 401k. And of course, the other side of that ledger is you can't have any non-owner employees. Once you have employees, the solo format, which is very simple to administer, doesn't work and you have to be in a full-blown, what's called the RISA 401k. While it's possible to self-direct those, the complexities, the nightmares, the liability risk is, is just not beneficial. Okay. So those owner-only businesses can look at the 401k and you can contribute uh, much more, uh, $56,000 a year. Uh, if you're under age 50, 62, if you're over, uh, there's a potential for very high Roth contributions of up to $19,000 a year um, without income limits. Uh, there's a ability to take a loan 
personally from the plan. Some people use that as seed capital to start up their own uh, business or grow their business. And that tax that we just talked about, the unrelated debt financed income, a 401k is subject to that. But in the 401k space, there's a narrow exemption when the debt instrument is secured by real property which is what most of us in the self-directed space are doing. So if you're investing directly in a rental property with a mortgage, or even if you're investing in a, a larger syndicate and that syndicate's using debt financing, that's real property debt. Your 401k is not going to have that tax exposure. Now, as I mentioned, it's pretty trivial in an IRA, but you save the paperwork and the headache, you save a few hundred uh, extra bucks uh, in, in the taxation. So the 401k is a little nicer for people who qualify uh, when it comes to that kind of investing. Interesting. Going back to the IRA, there's two formats. You mentioned that the, the solo 401k provides checkbook control. Uh, that basically means the plan's a trust. Uh, the self-employed business person is the trustee. You set up a trust account, which you have signing authority for. So it's that trust that's the investor. You have signing authority. You go out and just do all your transacting directly. In the IRA, you mentioned the services of a custodian, which is one of two business models there, not what we do here at Safeguard. We also create that same level of checkbook control uh, in an IRA. Hmm. So on the IRA side, there's custodians, there's about four dozen of them that are called self-directed, which are basically E-Trade uh, with different paperwork. You know, they hold and report on the IRA, all the tax rules are the same, but instead of just being limited to transacting on the stock exchanges, they have the people and the paperwork to document the more individual types of things that happen in what we call non-traditional assets, real estate, private placements, like syndicates, things like that. The problem with the custodial model is, is that the more money you have and the more transactions you make, the more it costs. And everything right. takes three to five days to get done. Uh, as a fiduciary to the account, they can process your transactions, but they can't really provide any meaningful guidance or advice. Checkbook control, like with the 401k, becomes very beneficial in the IRA for a lot of investors. And the way we do that is we start with an IRA held by a self-directed custodian, but we push the custodian to the back and have the IRA itself make a single investment into a specially formed limited liability company, an LLC. And basically what we're doing is the same thing that the 401k does. We have a, a legal entity under the umbrella of the plan for which the IRA account holder is the signer. So the IRA owns the LLC, the client can be the signer and basically use that LLC like their own private equity fund. It's the LLC that's actually doing the investing, buying into a, a property or a fund. Uh, the IRA account holder can sign those documents, you know, pay for the acquisition or maintenance, receive the income directly. So it eliminates all those paperwork and delay interactions with the custodian, eliminates a lot of fees that the custodians uh, will have as well. So it's a nice way to, to work with an IRA. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to, on an annual basis, save quite a bit of fees? It can't, you know, it's, it's going to vary based on the investor and what they're doing. Uh, of course, the checkbook plans, they cost a little bit more uh, to, to set up. Uh, okay. and, you know, it's going to vary a little bit based on, you know, situation and geography, but somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,400 to $1,700 on the front end to set everything up. So that's more than you're going to spend just opening an account with a custodian. But in most cases with an investor, they're going to spend somewhere between 125 and maybe two to $300, depending on the state, 
uh, each and every year that's a fixed cost that doesn't change based on dollar value, number type of investments uh, per transaction. Those are static structural costs. Okay. Whereas with most custodians, they either charge a flat fee for each asset, you know, $300 per asset. Uh, they charge a couple hundred bucks plus a percent of the dollar value of the account, plus maybe a, a per transaction charge when they're opening or closing out an investment or receiving the income. Your typical, you know, $100,000 account in a rental property with the average custodian is going to cost you four or 500 bucks a year. So you spend a little bit more on the front end with the checkbook control, but you reduce your, your cost annually. And, and, you know, depending on how much you're doing within, you know, one or two or even, you know, three, four years, you're more than paying up that difference in savings. Uh, and, and I've done a lot of projections where on, you know, 10 year cycles, you're saving almost 50% on fees. You're saving thousands of dollars uh, with these structures. Wow. What, what's the, the the guy the, the guys and gals who you know successfully implement their you know their IRA four hundred one k and self directed what, what are you seeing that they're doing maybe differently than than others if anything you know the main thing is investing in what they know you know not mm -hmm. getting out of their comfort zone not saying, you know, hey, I've been a software engineer forever and I've had this 401k that I know nothing about and I'm going to go become a real estate investor and I'm going to cut my teeth using my retirement plan. Okay, maybe, but how many people on their first real estate transaction make good money? You know, how much risk is there? Is that the, necessarily the best strategy? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on how good you are. Uh, but it's investing in what they know. And that varies. I mean, I have clients who really know the lending business. So mm -hmm. they use their IRA to do private lending. I have clients who through their network of associates know somebody like yourself, who's really good at putting together syndicated opportunities and they participate in those. And that's great for people who are busy. It's like buying into a fund, you know, not a lot of work you have to do to manage that investment other than vetting it on the front end and, and sort of paying attention to it. Uh, so we're seeing a lot more uh, syndicated investments since the, 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 Jobs Act and the, the Reg D changes that, that made it much easier to solicit capital for that. That's been really booming. We're seeing a lot of people have real good success doing that. We see a lot of people just go out and buy a rental house or, or a duplex or, you know, a small apartment. And, and, and just, you know, you've got the principle of the retirement plan and a secure asset, uh, something that produces both cash flow and the potential for appreciation, something where you can take advantage of leverage. And that can really just give you a nice, consistent, predictable returns. How, how early, like, what are the steps? Um, I want to either buy a duplex or, or, you know, buy my own property, or maybe I want to invest in a syndication. Uh, mm -hmm. How early do I need to get everything set up prior to, do I need to be doing this six months in advance or is it once the property is under contract or when I get the offering? Sure. It's going to take about three to four weeks to get one of these plans set up funded, ready to start issuing checks. Um, depending on the type of the investment, you can create a little bit of a catch 22. I get a lot of people, Hey, I was at, at the, this meeting and I found this great property. I want to invest. I got to close in a week. Mm. Okay. You're out of luck. You know, we're just not going to get the funds in the right place to do that. Yeah. Uh, there's other types of transactions where maybe a deposit or earnest money is required. Well, you can't put that deposit down in your own name. 
and then transfer to your IRA. You've just violated the IRS rules in doing that. So it's really to your advantage to have things in place before actually finding the opportunity. You can say, I'm looking at the kind of opportunity. I'm looking at the market. I'm looking at, you know, maybe rental houses in this neighborhood, in this range. Yes, there's stuff here that's going to be good. Get my plan set up and then go look for a specific property. Now, there's some stuff he can do with borrowing from unrelated parties to cover earnest money and, and sort of scramble and sort of get some under contract and then build the plan. It's a headache for everybody. Uh, you know, it's not the optimal route. It's something we've done thousands of times, of course, because, you know, that's just the way life goes. But it's it's best to sort of vet your strategy, have a business plan. No, these are the types of investments I'm going to want to make. Great, set up a plan. You don't necessarily have to fund it at a real high level. You can say, I know I want to do this. I don't know exactly when I'm going to find a property. I don't know exactly how much it's going to be. Great, set it up, put 10 grand in there. That's enough to write an earnest money deposit. It's enough to cover things like inspections. And once you find that contracted property, then you move the rest of the money that you need. Very easy to do so. Yeah, so it sounds like if you're going to be active, especially if you're going to be active, it's really important to get it set up prior to really being writing offers and, and doing that kind of stuff. If you're going to be passive, it maybe isn't as important. If we have three to four weeks, typically we have enough time before the deal actually uh, funds, you know, from the time we hear about it to when it actually uh, is needed to be funding, typically three to four weeks is enough. But if, especially if you're going to be writing earnest money checks, that's important. I think you've answered my next question, which was, could I buy that property cash? Or what if I already had a property that I owned? Could I then quit claim it or sell it to my IRA? Absolutely not. That's, I thought that was going to be your answer. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else we should know then about the 401k IRA self-direct and how we can implement it into our, our investing strategy? Well, you, know, you, you got to look at the big picture. You know, and again, as I sort of mentioned at the beginning, it's not, hey, I want to go invest in X. Here's some money I can get on. It's, hey, I'm going to take more control over managing my, my tax-sheltered retirement portfolio. You know, that's one of my, my three legs of my wealth creation. I've got my, my, my whatever I'm doing that creates salary income, wage income. I've got whatever investments, maybe passively, that I'm doing yeah. with non-IRA money. Here's the, the tax-sheltered leg of that stool. Well, you want to be mindful about it. You want to have a business plan. You want to think about it not only on a standalone basis, but how it intersects with everything else you're doing. But as long as you, you develop a, a, a good plan and, and you, you get good consultants around you to help with just the basic operation of the plan, which is something we do, maybe bigger picture, you know, financial and tax planning a, a little bit outside what we do, but we'll, we'll interface with those people on your team and just have a thoughtful measured approach of how can I go get better results for this money? That, that's the key to having success at this. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Well, awesome. I, I appreciate a ton of great information on the 401k uh, IRA self-directed. And I want to ask a couple more questions before we wrap up. So uh, I always ask uh, this question, what's your favorite business or real estate book? And I'll say, or IRA, you know, self-directed IRA book too. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of tripe in the self-directed IRA space or marketing <laughs> pieces by, you know, competitors and they're just, you know, doing what they sure. do. There was a pretty good one. It's um, Pat Rice wrote a book called IRA Wealth 
back in, I want to say the nineties that just hits on the essentials. It was, you know, one of those groundbreaking, Hey, this was before people were talking about this, you know, and it's maybe a little dated nowadays, but, but it just really reinforces the key concepts of the ability to leverage these tax sheltered vehicles. So that's a good one. And, you know, honestly, you know, Carnegie's make friends and influence people. I mean, this is all, networking and and deal making and you just can't say enough about uh, that kind of sage advice it's, it's timeless you know that's one of my favorites yeah i i'm right there with you that's probably my favorite book um last question what are your three pillars of wealth creation well as i just mentioned you know i've got my wage what I'm doing, you know, on a, on a daily basis, I've got some, some personal investments where, you know, making money while I sleep and I'm being mindful about what I do with my retirement plan. And I'm focusing on things that require minimal interaction and that produce consistent returns. I don't have a lot of stuff I'm doing in either of my investment sides. That's a real big bang for the buck. I'm not hitting any home runs, flipping properties or, you know, buying, wild stocks, you know, IPO stocks, things like that. It's all, you know, you hit a bunch of singles and doubles, you put a lot of runs on the board. Yeah. Yeah. You try not, you try not to strike out, you know, you try to just you hit singles and doubles and, you know, not swing for the fences and strike out. Cause that throws you behind. That's what happened to everybody in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's sage advice. I mean, a lot of people, they want that big hit. They want that big home run because, hey, I mean, that it would set you up really good, right? But then when you do strike out, well, it does the opposite. It really sets you back. And uh, you're playing that game. You, you, do, you do one deal and it ends up being a home run, and that's what you always strive for. Well, you're going to start striking out, and eventually it'll catch up. Yeah. Well, I'll take a great example, cryptocurrency. Some people like to do with this. Yeah. I threw all of five grand at crypto, you know, yeah. that was money I could lose and it wouldn't affect my lifestyle. Wouldn't affect my retirement. I actually tripled it. Okay. Which was fantastic. That was, that was nice. It was a very short term little experiment, mostly proof of concept because I had a lot of clients wanting to do it, but I didn't say, Oh, I'm going to you know take a home equity line and throw 30,000 of money that I don't have in this yeah. high risk asset. You just don't do stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, great, uh, uh, great having you on the show. Appreciate it. A lot of good uh, information here. How can our listeners reach out to you if they want to learn more about what you're doing and, and get in contact with you? Sure. So our website is ira123.com. Best way to find us. Phone numbers are there. You can schedule a consultation, whatnot. Um, we actually have a, a special page. I forgot to mention this is in, in our preparation. So it's ira123.com pillars of wealth. And that's a special page. Uh, people who are uh, followers of yours, Todd, uh, we're going to hand them a, a $200 discount through the referral through coming in through through your channel. So again, it's ira123.com pillars of wealth. And we'll, we'll share that to you. You can put it in the, 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 the podcast notes. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate that. And uh, have a, hopefully the listeners can take advantage of it. Certainly, certainly. Well, great. Appreciate your time and have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Todd. Likewise. 
Hey, special thanks to Brian Eastman for joining us on the show. Appreciate him taking time out of his day and providing a lot of good value. And, uh, you know, three things I took from it. First of all, uh, first thing is, of course, about the 401k and IRA. Lots of uh, good information about it and just the differences um, in, in kind of what you can and can't do within those. So, you know, if you're interested in, in using your 401k or IRA, to do self-directed investing, uh, investing in real estate or other asset classes. Definitely listen to this episode a couple of times to understand and then contact Brian as well and he can help you navigate that. Uh, Next thing is he talks just a a lot about passive uh, investing and and different alternative types of passive investing, obviously very important. The last thing he talks about is just having your retirement plan, making sure you plan it, and understand what you're doing um, as you move along. So again, great uh, having Brian on the show. A ton of great information about the uh, 401k and IRA and uh, definitely reach out to him and learn more about how you can use uh, that to your advantage. I'm Todd Dexemer. I'm signing out. Make every day a Saturday. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go again. Go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.